Welcome to the house of the Lord. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? We're here to worship God. We're here to hear from God. We're here to fellowship with each other. And that is a really good thing. Um, just by way of introduction, for you, those of you who do not know Graham and myself, and in case you've forgotten who we are, Graham and Jean, and if we've I was actually thinking this morning, yeah, we've probably been coming up here since 2009. So we've had a long association with Christchurch, and it's always been such a joy to be able to come and minister in, at Christchurch and share the word of the Lord with you. Um, for the last, just over the last year, we've been helping George up at St. Paul's in Gravesend doing their Sunday services, coordinating preaching, and sometimes just being there and growing in friendship with them. And, and it's just, it's wonderful to see what God is doing. And so and as we come in here each time, we see God bring new people. We see faces that we know well. And it's lovely. It really is lovely to be amongst you and and I hope you appreciate each other just as much as we appreciate you. Um, if you are curious about us, I've put some of our leaflets on the table. Please take one and read a little bit more about who we are and what we do. Well, let's open in prayer and commit this time to the Lord. So let us pray. So, Almighty God, we are here, and we are in awe of your goodness and your mercy today. And we invite you to be present among us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Father, we declare that we love you. And we thank you that you have made the way of love known to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And God, we want to thank you and praise you for the life that you have so richly given us. Thank you for the incredible blessing of being your sons and your daughters. Thank you for the intricate and the beautiful creations you've made us to be. And thank you, God, that you first loved us. And we pray today you would reveal your love for us as we gather to worship you, to adore you. So lead us by your spirit to praise you and may our hearts overflow with thanksgiving and our mouths proclaim your everlasting greatness. But God, we also confess that we have sinned against you through fault, through words, through thoughts. And we are slow to learn sometimes and we often stray from your path. We say things that hurt, that offend. We do things that contradict our trust in you. We're sorry for all that. We repent, we confess, and we ask that Holy Spirit, you restore us and change us, and that Jesus, by your grace, you forgive us. Now, Lord, we give you all that we are today, and we ask that you reveal more of yourself to us. We lift our hearts to you that you might fill them anew with love. We lift our minds that you would pour fresh hope into our thinking. And we lift our souls that they may be bathed in your grace. 
we lift our hands and we lift our voices to sing your praises, to worship you, to adore you, our Lord, our creator. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You truly are the anointed one. And you are the one we come to worship and to praise. Holy Spirit, will you come and open our hearts and minds that we may receive everything that the Father has for us this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, musicians. Please be seated. As we open up the Word of God, we turn to Matthew 22, starting at verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, ill-treated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burnt their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are invited but few are chosen. This is the word of the Lord. Ah, it is good to be in the house of the Lord. And it's good to be with brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to share a little about uh, on this wedding feast. Um, but to give you a bit of background, over this past year, God has been speaking to me about uh, uh, giving me a revelation of the church. Uh, when I say the church, I'm talking church worldwide. And over the last few months, he's been really focusing and giving me uh, a vision and one of the scriptures that he went to was this one in Matthew, the wedding feast. Now, what I liked is I liked the, when I read the amplified version, it suddenly made a lot more sense to me. I'm not a scholar, and I can't go in to study the Greek, because if I do that, I'll be so confused, and I'll come out, and I don't know, because everything is, is, is all Greek to me. I don't understand. But what I like about the amplified, it does, it sort of brings it out and explains. And the first thing is, is that the initially time that when he sent his servants out, he, and this says he sent his servants to call those who had previously been invited 
to the wedding feast. So they've all previously had an invitation to come to the wedding feast. They weren't going out to be invited. They'd had an invitation. And they knew we would receive the invitation because they had to know whose door to go and knock on. But they refused to come. Then he said, go out again and tell them that everything is ready. The dinner has been prepared. The ox and the fattened calves have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the feast. But again, they paid no attention. And in fact, some just disregarded it. Some of them came and ridiculed and mocked them. And even some of them killed some of the servants. King was enraged, dealt with them. And then he said to his servants, the feast is ready, but those who were invited are not worthy. So go into the highways that lead out to the city and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. They then came back. And then when he came and he saw someone not dressed appropriately in wedding clothes, and he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without wearing the wedding clothes that were provided for you? And the man was speechless and without excuse. I believe we need to look at this in the context for today. As people being invited into the kingdom, we're not talking of the end feast when we go to meet Jesus in glory. We are talking about an invitation that God has given us and that maybe we've looked at and maybe we've even said yes and we've sent an RSVP off and said yes. But when the time comes, we are too busy we look at the church today, and we can see. You know, when we read there that they came and they humiliated them and they murdered them, we ooh. But that is what's happening in the church today. People who are proclaiming the gospel are being mocked, ridiculed, ridden off. And I think the modern word now is being canceled. And people are now are too scared to share the gospel because they don't want to offend anyone in case they come back and they get retaliation. So they keep quiet. The voice in the church has been silenced. Yes, the, not all of them. There are voices in the church which are rising. But there's many, many that have been silenced. And God has been saying to them, you came into the kingdom. You accepted the invitation. You came in. But now that I'm asking you to meet what I, the, the, the feast, the, the whatever it is that you accept that invitation for, suddenly you don't want to do it. 
leaders meeting, one, uh, one of the uh, um, uh, international leaders meeting of a church, when they wanted to bring something in which was against the scripture, someone stood up and said, you can't do this. This is what the scripture said. And he was ridiculed. He would have been thrown out, but he had a right to be there. But he was ridiculed and mocked for standing on scripture. That is in the, the governing body, the ecclesia of the church is where it's happening. God has said to me, the biggest danger of the church is from within, and we need to be very careful. We always look outside the church, but he said it's inside the church. And I want to just go through, and I want to share with you a little bit about the vision that God has been giving me. It started to get a bit specific. When we were recently, it was September, when we were in uh, Sofia in Bulgaria, walking around, and we had a day off, and we were walking around, and we like to visit churches, have a look, and Jean takes photos. And I got in the one, I said, Jean, you go down, I just need to sit. So I sat in the front, and I was sitting there, and one of the things that the Holy Spirit prompted as I was looking around, looking at the pictures, and you've been some of these churches, especially the Orthodox ones, pictures of all the saints, the bishops, and, you know, Uncle Tom Cobley and all. And then he said to me, he says, where's the picture, where's Jesus? I saw two crosses, which were empty, praise God. And I looked around, and I looked around, and eventually I saw somewhere in a corner a small little picture of Virgin Mary holding Jesus as a baby. And that was it. And I said, God, what, what, are you, what are you saying to me? And he says, this is the state of many of my churches. There is no Jesus. There is no Holy Spirit. So who have they come to worship? I know in this church, you come to worship Jesus. Praise God. But there are many churches, what I call Sunday clubs, where they come on a Sunday, have little sing songs, have a little chat, go and be ministered through tea and coffee, and off they go. We were at a, a meeting of leaders, pastors and leaders in Albania. As most of you know, we've been ministering there for 15 years. And we were gathering there, it was trying to bring a unity because they're very divided, trying to bring unity. In one meeting, all the pastors were sitting there, they shared about a few things. And then they were said, right, let's just pray and ask the Holy Spirit what he has to say. What is on the Father's heart? And I sat there and I've got three words. Feed my sheep. And I said, okay, Holy Spirit, yes, feed your sheep. But I need a word that I can share with you people. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And then the penny dropped. In the early 90s, I think it was 91 or 92, somewhere around there, over 30 years ago, when God called me to preach, that scripture there when Jesus was restoring Peter, I went to go and look at that passage to study the different words of love. But all that stood out for me was, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, 
feed my sheep. That was my call to come and to preach, to, to share the gospel. I then went on, trained in the Methodist church, trained to be a, 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 a lay preacher, a local preacher. I've got so many different names. And at that time, in that meeting, I was taken back. And Jesus, and he said to me, you responded to the invitation to feed the sheep. And I said, yes. And he says, but you've had a word of prophecy that you are going to go to the nations to preach the word of God, the word. And I said, yes. And he says, what are you doing? I said, well, I am going something. He says, but you have put in stumbling blocks in the way. This year, we had been on four trips, and they are a heavy financial burden for those trips. But I believe that God wants us to increase. And then I was remembered. That's it. And he says to me, when you go, you are clothed in my righteousness. You have accepted the invitation, and you go clothed in my righteousness. And that is why I've done this today. It's, it's a reminder to me of the call that God placed in my life and a reminder that I'm clothed in righteousness. It's to go and to share what it is that the Father is saying. When we go out to various churches, even when we come and preach, it doesn't matter where we go, I ask the Father, what message do you have for the people today? Gene and I, with our, in our ministry, we have many teachings on the cross, intimacy, uh, being a son and a daughter of God, how to hear the, how, how to hear uh, uh, the voice of God, discerning your gifts. We have a lot of those teachings. But even if we did them, I still want to say, Father, what are you saying today through that? And today I believe the Father is saying, my church, my church is dying and it needs some revival. He says there are many of the gatherings where they gather information. He says there are some very, there are people in the churches where have so much information in their head. And he gave me a picture of people like a library. Each one has his library. They come, they hear a message, hey, that was a good, right? Hey, in the library. Then they go to a conference. Oh, what a great conference. What a great. So they grab that in the library. They have a library full. They go and study the gospel theology, and they get a diploma here. They get a degree there, and they have them there, put them up on their wall. Their library is full of certificates and full of books. But they are no different from when they first started until they are now. Because all they've done is gather information. We need to allow that information to transform our life. And that transformation can only be done by Holy Spirit. You cannot transform your life. You, you can renew your mind, but the heart can only be transformed by Holy Spirit. I know and and there's many things that I knew in my life I had to change. I tried and I tried and I tried and I failed. 
And when I allow the Holy Spirit to come and to change, it was then done. And now, what is my heart has been transformed by the information that I've heard. So what sits in there now? You can come to me, and you can try and argue against what's in my heart. All I say to you is save your breath. But if it's sitting in the mind, if I still got it in the library, you may be able to come and convince me that your book is more informative and more accurate than the one I've got in my library. And I may be persuaded to swap them. But when it's in the heart, it stays there. In 2019, I don't know, those, those that uh, have an ear to the prophetic will know that there was word given that there, was, there is a move of God that's going to come. We had the father heart in the 90s, the Jesus movement prior, a couple of decades before, was a harvest. This would be a wave of the harvest where the people will go out, the servants will go out. Like in the wedding feast. And God gave me two, two scriptures. One was the wedding feast which we read. And the other one is the story of the ten virgins. We need to be like the wine. To be filled. To be ready. And this wave that is coming. The wave of harvest, I said to the Father, how is this wave, what is it? And he said, it's a wave of my glory. There is going to be a supernatural move of Holy Spirit, unprecedented. And he then took me, as a description, he talked about a tsunami. Now, a tsunami, now I'm, I, I think I've got the basic facts, very basics is when that is created by the, the plates of the earth moving, which creates disturbance. I believe the church has been through that, and I believe COVID was one of the great moves of the plates, the basis, the foundations of the church that was shaken. But now on the outside, you don't really see much, but the scientists there with all these special instruments can detect that something is happening. That is why you could hear the prophetic voice is saying, something is coming. It's already started, it's not going to come. It's already started, it is on its way, but you can't see it. And what people are doing, they say, well, I can't see it, I don't feel it, I don't believe it. The prophetic voice needs to be listened to. I know there are many flakies out there. If you go on onto Google, there are some real flakies there. How do you test it? You test it against Scripture. Now this is coming now. So when you have tsunami, you, you come move, and it comes down underneath. It starts to move, and only really becomes evident to the naked eye when it comes close to land. And if that's the only time when you suddenly realize, yeah, in the tsunami, you're a bit late. 
I don't know when the tsunami is going to hit the shores. I don't know. But I know it's coming. And it's close. And God has said, he says, I need my church to be prepared. I need them to be like the wise virgins, full of my spirit. Because when my Holy Spirit comes in my glory, the Father's glory being released like a tsunami over the nations, he says, you will see things in the streets. You will see there will be things happening in the streets like never before. And he says, many of my churches are going to look at it. They are going to deny it, mock it. But he says, it's coming. But I need my churches ready. So when those people out there are influenced by my glory, that you will be able to take them and to disciple them. He says, my call is to disciple nations. Too many people are all focused on just making converts. He says, my command is to make disciples. Read in Matthew, make disciples of nations. That means nurturing. And he says, my church needs to be ready. They need to be filled with my spirit so that when those people come in, they'll be able to disciple them so that they can go out. My church, my servants, my sons and daughters need to go out. They need to be like a modern-day John the Baptist and go out and tell the people, prepare yourself for the coming glory. To be able to, when things happen, that they can say to them, yes, this is your Father in heaven, glorifying His Son Jesus through your healing. I believe you're going to see people in wheelchairs walking, people with no legs having legs. The miracles that God said, he says, it is unprecedented. I don't know. I just think to myself, glory be, things like that. But that is what is coming. And the church needs to be ready to be that. So when the call comes as an individual within your church, when it comes along and they say, right, we need, we need volunteers to be on the door. We need some volunteers to go into the ministry of tea and coffee, which, by the way, is one of the most vital ministries in a church. I'm a Methodist. I was born in song, and I float on tea. But it is a vital ministry. It's possibly one of the most thankless, but it is a vital one. The work that goes in, coming in there. You might say, we need someone to come and to set up the chairs, equipment. We need someone to set up the elements, someone to set up the music. And we think, no, I don't want, I want to go and preach. Be careful. Respond to the invitation that you have. And don't think that your invitation is any less, less significant, more irrelevant, more lower than someone else's invitation. Invitation to be on the door or an invitation to come and share God's word are both the same. There is no ups and downs. They are all on the same level. 
and you will find coming into a church, and I'm sure most of you can testify, how you are greeted at the door impacts your attitude when you're in here to receiving the word. If you have a bad experience there and you don't walk away, when you come in here, you're going to be muttering and mumbling and you're going to have such a hard heart. The preacher could be the best preacher in the world. The Holy Spirit could be all over you, but you will walk out to say, well, possibly worse than when you came in. It's vital that we fulfill our calling. If you're called to preach, preach. If you're not called to preach, please don't preach. One guy, I love him, he's expressionless. Please, people, do what you're called to do and don't do what you aren't called to do. Necessity is not a calling. Necessity is not a calling. Yes, there are times when we need to meet that and not say, well, I'm called to the tea ministry. If the chairs aren't straightened, I'm not helping. It's not my calling. I know people like that. No. Help. We're our family. We work together. But don't see something, oh, that needs to be done. Oh, I, I'm, and also, Oh, that needs to be done. I'm good at that, so I'm going to go and do that. God will call you sometimes into things that you think, I have no chance of doing that. But if he calls you, he will equip you. I can do all things through Jesus. All things. In fact, I have that scripture on my phone in the Amplified Version. If you can bear with me, I just feel I need to read it. I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient at Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. I can do all things which he has called me to do. If he's called you to do something, you need to do it. I can't do what you're called to do and you can't do what I'm called to do. Someone said to me, says, if you're called to do that and you don't do it, it's not going to get done. God didn't see you when you're born and say, oh. Oh. Rex has been born. Hmm. I better find something for him to do. No. He had a plan and says, I need someone I'm going to create Rex for that plan. You were created for a plan. And when you're ready, God invites you. And often we find when we go to conferences, you know, you get these nice hoo-ha, and you get there, and you are so fired up, you're in the company of, of things there, the Holy Spirit is flowing, you're so enthusiastic, the, the Spirit is flowing out of you, and you're really fired up, and you, something God says, do that. He says, yes, Lord, I will go anywhere. 
And then he says, right, <coughs> he says, you're going to go there. I'm sending you there. You say, oh, no, I can't go there. tsunami of God's glory is coming. We need to be ready so that we can enjoy the benefit and the fruitfulness of the coming tsunami. We need to make sure that our lamps are full, the tombs there, that we have spare, that we are overflowing in the Holy Spirit, that we have within us a well of the Spirit which flows out the living spring within us so that we did not go without. And we need to listen to the voice of God that when he calls us to respond to the invitation, we say yes and amen. I don't know where I'm going to get the finance to do five or six trips next year. I have no idea. God does. But one thing he has said to me, and it goes against me because Gene and I do not like it because so I don't like to walk to the begging bowl, but it's not. The father says to me, he says, I have called and anointed people to support you. If you don't allow them or invite them, how can you receive support? And that's something we need to look at. something that we do, our mission, we look at with, we've got a couple of, of, mis of missionaries we, we support because we want to be part of what they're doing. So we sow into the ministry. And I just put it out there. If there are people here who want to sow into the ministry that Gene and I are doing, which is going out into the nations. I mean, it was the last Sunday, the last Sunday we were still in the Bani, eh? Yeah. But we had a conference which was known the waves of transformation where I shared this, this message in full. We had five sessions of teaching. But on the last night, it was amazing coming down. There was pastors from five churches. We had the opportunity to pray for them, speak into their lives and anoint them. I don't know how many leaders of various ministries, there must have been about 20 of them, were able to pray for them. And then God said to me, he said, you pray for every Albania, every national day. So everyone had at least one prayer and anointing on them. Some of them had three or four. But that is what we do. That is our ministry to go out to prepare the churches, to be the prophetic voice in a church, to tell them to prepare. But not just tell them to prepare, to work with them and show them how to prepare. And there is a need out there. There are so many churches. We, they need to work together, and you get them one side. I can't work with him. I don't like what he's doing. Yeah, but don't worry about that. He focuses on Jesus. It's hard work, but it's glorious work when you see transformation. God is calling us to transform hearts and nations. And if you want to be part of that, come and speak to Gene and I, and you can be part. As I've always said, you sow into a ministry, you're entitled to some of the harvest. The ministries we sow into, we see the harvest, we can say, some of that is, belongs to me. Glory to God.
I want to enable them to continue their ministry. But we need to respond to the invitation and not be like those other people. Now, something better has come up. I'm not going to respond to that information, that invite. Can I just close in prayer? And before I close, this is a ministry service. If anyone there, there's something that has been shared at any time, and then one ministry afterwards, they want to speak to someone, be prayed for, and come forward. There's a, a ministry team will be on duty. And we will pray for you. Father, I just pray that you would just touch every heart here today. That you would come, give them reassurance of your love. Show them the invitation. Remind them of the invitation they accepted. Fill them with your power and your glory. That they may respond and come. And that they will be blessed in their response. To be a blessing and be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen.